Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, ladies. For your information, there are some voter guides that are also available. Again, out on our, our ledge there. Uh, take that, which uh, entreats you the most, and make sure that you vote this coming Tuesday. Before we go to our text in Hebrews, I want you to look at two verses in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. I know the original intent of this chapter is written to the nation of Israel itself. But there are some prominent thoughts that we'll begin with this morning. Isaiah 43, verses 2. And verse 3, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The thought of those two verses is not if. It is when. It is inevitable in a life of certainly a believer, but in everybody, it is inevitable to bypass storm. Storms can come in many different facets, more so than just the, the deluge of rain that we had here yesterday. It rained so hard that I could not see the, the fields behind the church. Sometimes storms cloud our vision. We can't see past the exasperation, if you will, of the size or intent of the storm. Storms can be small, too. They can be scattered showers. Storms can also be issues of life. Life issues of illness. Life issues of occupation. Life issues of family relationships, storms. We would really like for life to be all sunshiny and in what was once known as looking at it through rose-colored glasses. But I will tell you this, that if it was nothing but sunshine... It would not be long before all that we hold dear would be dried up and, and gone. Storms have a way of bringing us back to reality. In fact, storms have a way of restoring life. So many of the storms that 
we have come to us by word of doctors or family members or bosses of occupation. And they let us know what we're just about ready to walk into. Our text this morning is Hebrews chapter 11. And in verse 7, and if ever an individual was let in on knowing a storm was coming, it was Noah. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, and if you're not familiar with the context of Noah's life, you've got to go back to Genesis chapter 5 and read it all the way through to the end of chapter 10. But Noah was alive during a time when God said a very interesting statement about humankind. When he said, I'm sorry that I even put man on the earth. That's how bad society had gotten during the time of Noah. But in, Noah, but in Genesis chapter 5, after we get the glimpse as God gives us the backdrop of society, he then turns to and he says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah later is described as an individual who walked with God. You trace Noah's genealogy back. His great-grandfather was Enoch. We saw that. Enoch also walked with God. Then came Methuselah, who was the longest living individual ever recorded in Scripture other than God himself, who is eternal. Then there's Lamech, the father of Noah. Now, if you, you look at that lineup, you would at least consider the thought that why is it only Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord? What about everybody else? Enoch had more children than, he, than Methuselah. Methuselah had more children than what is recorded as Lamech. Lamech had more children than what was recorded by Noah, but all of them bypassed what we look at as faith in God. Hebrews 11.7 tells us that Noah's faith developed righteousness. Noah was righteous before God. This being Mother's Day, I had to try to bring something in here concerning moms and wives. Can you imagine Noah going home 
and saying to his wife, God told me there's going to be a flood. I'd love to have been in that conversation. I'd envisioned it something like this. How's God going to have a flood? It never rains here. And no, I don't know. Oh, he wants me to build a boat. Build a boat? You don't, have, you, you don't know how to build a boat. How are you going to build a boat? I don't know. And oh, by the way, animals are coming. We don't even own a dog. How are animals going to come? I don't know. How are you going to feed these? I don't know. But all I know is what God said. There's a storm coming. And it's going to be massive. How long do we have before the storm? God didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me the date. He just told me it's coming. You've all read in scriptures that we face storms. Jesus said to his disciples, they hated me. They're going to hate you. That's a storm. We're told as the scriptures are being unfolded, even before our eyes, that darker days are coming. Storms. Uh, you don't know when they're going to hit. We have no idea if you're prepared. Sometimes you're even wondering, do I have strength enough to go through them? 120 years, Noah, it took him to build this ship that in minor estimates... It's 483 feet long, 78 feet wide, 44 feet high. Just the surface of it on the deck is 96,000 square feet. And in cubic feet, it's 1.6 million cubic feet. How are you going to build that? I don't know. But Noah showed his faith in God when he began to cut the very first tree. And for 120 years, he faced ridicule, he faced jokes, he faced disownment but he walked in righteousness as he built as engineers say the most floatable boat ever known to mankind three floors 
enough for animals to come and to be kept safe. Two by two, male, female, entered the ark. If it was up to me, snakes would have never got on. But they did. And God has a plan. In fact, that's what I want to share with you this morning. That even in the midst of a storm, God has a plan. The first plan is this, is that he reveals his great power of who he is. When others say, give up, God says, rest and trust in me. And when others laugh and ridicule, God says, peace, be still. But the one thing that the life of Noah gives us is this. The best way to walk through a storm is to be prepared for what you're about to face. We're talking about a faith that obeys God. A faith that obeys God. How do you develop that? Storms are coming. We're going to be tested. How do we prepare and have a faith that is that dynamic that whatever God says we will do? It's the kind of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel had. For it says in Daniel chapter 1 that they had made a predetermination that we will not defile ourselves with anything of the nation of Babylon. They prepared themselves. How do we prepare ourselves for a storm by developing a faith that obeys? First thing is this. Know the word of God. Now, that ought to strike a chord of familiarity in all of us. Because since we started this study on faith, the first thing that we have always commented on is the Word of God. How much we know about the Word of God determines how much we're interested in knowing about the God of the Word. You can't separate them. It's a kind of faith that is determined and developed, if you will, in knowing the person of whom has saved us. Remember, faith is this. For without faith, it is impossible to please God, verse 6. For we must first believe that he is. In other words, you can't have faith in someone you don't know. It's impossible. 
And so the development of our faith rests in the fact of how much do we know about the Word of God. Because in it, we'll discover the God of the Word. I'm here to tell you this morning that the same God that took Noah through his storm, he'll take you through it too. The same God that took up Enoch from this earth, one day he's going to take us up. It's the same God that if we walk in faith, he will protect, keep, and shelter us. Not to keep us from the storm, but to keep us in and through the storm. D.O. Moody commented on faith when he said he thought obtaining enough faith was praying to God of heaven and a lightning bolt would come and strike him and that he would be fulfilled with enough faith. But he said, but as I was reading in Romans chapter 10, he said, a bolt of lightning struck me. For there it says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. D.L. Moody said he used to close his Bible and pray for faith, but now he says, I open it and read and study, and faith becomes stronger and stronger and stronger every day. You've got to know the word of God. Secondly, we need to obey the word of God. Moms, this one here strikes home to your heart. When you're raising your children and you're giving them knowledge by instruction, with that also comes a warning. Something like this. If you don't pick up your room, you'll have no chocolate pudding for dessert. They don't pick up the room. They don't get dessert. Can I get an amen from the moms? And the, oh, all of you give in. Oh, great. <laughs> Consequences. See, if we read in the Word of God, there's an instruction that God gives to us, and particularly when it relates to us personally, when it says that rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then when a storm hits, and we don't rejoice. And we stop praying. All of a sudden, our faith begins to wane. Because we have turned away from the God of the Word. 
Wonder what it would have been like if, if Noah would have said, 483 feet long? Really, God? Wouldn't 200 feet just be just as good? What, what about this? Hath God really said you should not eat of any tree of the garden? The ploy of the evil one is to get us to disobey. And when we disobey, we dishonor God not only for who he is, but the very majesty that his name holds. We must obey. Obeying has with it the action of following after God, not even yet knowing what the full outcome is going to be. Noah had no idea how it was going to rain. He had no idea of how it was that the animals were going to come. In fact, I'm here to tell you, I don't even believe Noah knew how to build a boat. He didn't need one. He's in the middle, he lives in the middle of the Tigris and Euphrates River. There's no need of a boat there. What do you mean it's going to flood the earth? But just like God did to Noah, he did to the nation of Israel. As they came out, it says that God infused in them of how to do what they didn't know how to do. They all of a sudden became artisans of tapestry. They became artisans of gold and silver. They knew how things had to be done. I believe that's how God worked in Noah. And with every hammer, as every hole was filled with a peg, it says in 2 Peter that Noah preached righteousness. Our storms are for the purpose that people would hear about Jesus Christ through our storm. There may have been a doctor, there may still be a doctor or a nurse that needs to hear about Jesus. And Nathan will be the carrier of that word. There may still be a storm coming that you're the only one who can be the voice of God as you speak righteously about him. And lastly, stand in God's righteousness and not yours. Stand in God's righteousness and not yours. Where do you come up with that kind of an idea? Let me give it to you. It says in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Therefore, being justified through faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. We do not claw or fight for God's approval. We stand in his grace. We stand in his righteousness. You want a faith that obeys God, know his word, obey him, and stand in his grace. When the storm comes, you'll be able to rise above it. And God will get the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning it's difficult because we've been affected by storms. And in the midst of them, we have questioned. We have sought for answers, and too many times we've come up empty. All we can do is what Noah did as our examples that he just obeyed your word and he trusted in you. The outcome he left to your power and for your glory. He only did what you asked him to do and that was to trust and obey may that be our song may that may that be our foundation even for the storms that we find ourselves in and yet those that are still coming may we just trust and obey you for in it as well we can stand in your grace and we will have a peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To you be that honor and glory. I praise you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen.